All right. Well, Susan, thank you so much for being here and giving me so many chances to get the recordings prepared for our listeners, board members and volunteers, because it was not a small feat that we are finally on the camera together and having a conversation, an onboarding interview. And the purpose of this onboarding interview that everybody who is joining the Institute for Human Rights Hawaii would get to know the leaders of this institute. Susan Bender, Board of Directors and former Secretary to the St. Michael Parish, Kailua Kona, for over 28 years holding that office. I think that is really admirable. I would like to give you the chance to say a few words about yourself and about your educational or career path that led you up to this point, especially because as soon as I ask you, Susan, this is what I'm going to do next, this institute. Would you like to be on the board? And you said a confident, unshakable, immediate yes. I would like to know where did that come from? Because most people would be unfit to ask me questions, would want to explore more. Is it really for me to involve myself with issues, public safety issues? But that was not you. You immediately knew and that you wanted to say yes. And I would like to pass that willingness on to our listeners, our other members, to step up as soon as you are called. That well, um, I'm quite familiar with and am aware that there is a a problem with human trafficking in the islands. And I know this um, not firsthand, but through one of our music ministers who many years ago, uh, his daughter was targeted and trafficked. She was actually going to school. Uh, they were lived in the Kona side and then she went to school on the Hilo side. Um, because she was pretty much self-isolating because she was deaf. I believe she did have cochlear implants. Uh, she kind of kept to herself and that's the type of person that they were looking for. And um, through time, over a period of weeks and months, she distanced herself from her family and then they couldn't find her. The apartment that they had her set up in, in Hilo, she was not there. Um, this music minister um, hired, I suppose you want to call it, a group who knew how to kidnap back um, a person who had been taken. And they followed her trail to California, found her and kidnapped her back. And then there was a period of maybe three weeks or so where she had to be unbrainwashed from not wanting to be with her family. 
So yes, this was a very sad, um, it was very real and um, it was it was very costly for him. And it unfortunately did affect uh, his marriage and, um, but they got their daughter back. Um, and there was another woman, I think um, she originally lived on Oahu when her daughter was trafficked also. Uh, she now lives, I believe her name is Melody. I can't remember her last name. She now lives on, on the big island and her daughter was taken. And she, uh, after she got her daughter back, she wanted to do something about it. So she was doing, uh, at St. Michael's Parish, she was doing different uh, meetings where she made people aware of it, showed videos of girls who had been trafficked. Um, it was very... And I was afraid for my own daughters. So this is my, this was my original uh, interest and my original concern, so. Well, it shows you as a mother, as a church secretary, your human side, because I know from my personal story, and this is my testimony for your character. When you found out that I had cancer and I don't have much help in my <laughs> life, you stepped up and organized a support group for me to take me to my treatments every day, check in on me, bring me food after my operation. And we, before that, we had a very little knowledge of each other. And it, it didn't take you much to treat me like family. And that caring side of you and a true friend I can always turn to. When I want to call somebody and I have nobody to talk to, I want to talk to you, Susan. <laughs> Your caring side is so huge. And that's why I knew that if I am going to do something, a venture into the world that is going to involve me emotionally as remarkably as recovering people from danger. I want to know you are. <laughs> and that's why I asked you and your immediate yes to it. I thought there has to be more to it than just our relationship. Even though I knew how, how highly you think of me, how much you appreciate me as a human being, it was still profound how immediately you said yes to this mission. And this, I, this, I cannot emphasize it enough how important this readiness to take action was uh, important for every volunteer who joins the Hawaii UHR. It will be always important to be ready to take action because we never know what emergencies we're going to encounter the next day and right. whose who's lives we're going to, to save. So what are some of the challenges you faced that you think prepared you for this important responsibility? Now, I'm not talking about the stories, but your personal challenges, maybe decisions, mistakes you have made during your adulthood, and you don't have to be specific about it. Just You can also just talk about the lesson itself. What would you say enriched you to be uh, basically one of the three directors of this institute heading this institute and its mission into the future what qualifies you um i believe that spending over 28 years as the parish secretary at saint michael's in kona um 
gave me the opportunity to meet people of all walks of life, whether they were um, rich people, poor people, uh, homeless people, um, those who had mental illness, they were bipolar, schizophrenic. The, there were many different kinds of people I met on a daily basis at the church. And a lot of people see the church as a beacon of where they can go to get help in whatever form they are needing it. So um, I think over the years, I came to a point where I was able to read people very well, but that's only part of it. You really have to have a compassionate heart to do, to meet with people where they're at. And be willing to do that. Sometimes we observe things and we dismiss them, excuse the situation, just so we don't have to act. But with this institute, we, this, we choose, those who are members, we choose not to overlook the subtle signs. That's right. We, we're going to go through the training to recognize the signs of danger the subtle signs of being a victim or a predator. And this is gonna be a very significant part of being part of, in any way of this institution, that we're gonna to have to raise our awareness of our surrounding. And that's what you are describing, that you have encountered a lot of people, you observed, you got to know people from a very, a variety of background and that you don't ignore the subtle signs and that means it's not somebody else who's going to step up to help but you feel called immediately and you prove that when you said yes to this position with your <laughs> confidence that you didn't think about it for a moment you were ready to act and that means that for 28 years you have re learned to recognize the moments by the first sight, when it is your turn to step up and when it is to sit back. But let me not speak too much. What are the personal values that you think will keep you going and motivated during challenging times on the board, on towards the world and your personal life? Because there will be moments when you are not when you when it will be challenging to follow through everything going in the legal way, everything going the law, moral way, and we're gonna have to make decisions and let the majority win the decision making, and you might sometimes not be in accordance with the majority. How? Do you think what values are going to carry you through to continue with the mission? To stay committed to the Institute? Well, like I said, you really do have to have a compassionate heart. But um, behind any person, there needs to be a knowledge of the resources in our community. And I think people who are connected to the community and know of different agencies or, or places where they can go to get help, that is really important. We're going um, to use you a lot on that one. I'm definitely, if I would like to make you in the future, 
um, not me really, but I will ask you, but the board would like to ask you to create a committee for a post-traumatic intervention where you have your connections activated and help the individual to find the resource that is most suitable for them. I think I could not find a better person than you, Susan. And that's what you are offering. <laughs> that's your biggest gift. And the only the only thing I'm sorry that you're gonna be in California and we are all in Hawaii, but your knowledge is so exquisite that we can always hit Zoom and tune in and and you can do this remote canceling with with the person who is looking for help or whoever is representing them. You can oversee when um, the welfare person is making decisions for our candidate. You can oversee that they are receiving the therapy or where the hiccups happen. Hiccups happen to lead up to this interview <laughs> constantly and you patiently <laughs> endured with me to figure it all out. And that's the kind of advocacy we are looking for for every person in our care. Yeah, um, I know I can, that anytime I can you do that. Yeah, yeah, there's anytime you have um, obstacles or hiccups or, you know, things just don't go as planned. You do have to have a tremendous amount of patience. <laughs> well, Susan, what are you most, uh, we, we talked about the responsible aspects, but what are you most excited about joining this project? Well, first and foremost, just the name itself, the universal human rights. Um, yeah, I think about the people who don't have, who are not living uh, their rightful place because of being trafficked or, you know, slave labor, whatever, whatever situation that they're in. And this to me is is abhorrent. I, I cannot think of a worse thing for someone uh, to be in, especially someone who's targeted, who's so young. So um, that to me is is what motivates me to to want to, to help. Yeah, so you are really connected to itself, the movement of the universal human rights you, you believe in the United Nations as an umbrella, a moral and legal umbrella over the nations and how they govern themselves. Um, and you would like to be a part of something greater because I know that you are retired now. And you say it a lot that, oh, I, I want to do something that is, I love my children and they are my priority and my grandchildren, but it is so exciting to be here and be part of something bigger. And I love that about you. Now, as an incredible team player, I know you are, would you be able to tell us whom are we looking for in the board? And what kind of qualities are we looking for in our, in our board and our volunteers for people who, who, what qualities we would like to attract 
that this institute could really capitalize on personal qualities. What First am I all, looking in that? You need, yeah, you need to find people who are caring, um, who are um, connected to the community in whatever way. Um, sports, sometimes we don't realize that in sports, there are children who are facing some problems too. Um, uh, people who are uh, working in other agencies that help others. You know, there's anyone who's involved in social ministry, social justice, um, who help others who, the poor, the downtrodden, the vulnerable, those kinds of people who are open to, re to helping and receiving them and trying to help them in whatever way. It is not, a lot of times, it's not a quick solution. So um, again, you have to have patience. Thank you, Susan. And my last question for you is, when we begin our fundraisers, and they're gonna be a tremendous project because all this involves a lot of volunteers and a lot of highly paid professionals we're gonna have to hire to, to actually deliver what we promise. When we begin our fundraisers, what will be your personal reason for donating and contributing monetarily to this foundation? What will be my what? What will be your inspiring reason? Oh. Why you would be donating oh. and contributing monetarily. Because right now you're a volunteer and that's amazing because your skills, we, we can enjoy and receive your services without making a monetary sacrifice to you. But besides donating your time and skills, when it comes to donations, and it, uh, how, what is going to be your reason to give money to this institution? If, if this institute can help even one person um, in whatever way they are in need, uh, as far as human trafficking or slave labor or what have you, domestic violence, then I think that's a success. And that's something that I would like to be a part of. So basically you wanna see results. Well, Susan, if <laughs> what we do is educational because our diplomacy group believes that the most powerful prevention against human trafficking and domestic violence is education. That's right. You won't be seeing dramatic results except years and years from now in statistics. If we, our goal is to get rid of this problem from the, within the borders of Hawaii entirely, to shut down all organized crime and trafficking in persons or violating any human rights. That's gonna take decades to show up in statistics. But will you feel like you are productively contributing to a work 
if all we do is going to schools and provide education and teach children? No, on the contrary, um, getting ahead of the problem is the best way, I think, to um, to have our kids be armed with with knowledge of what situations that they could place themselves in and what they can do. So yeah, education is very important. When the kids know not to be somewhere in a dark bathroom somewhere by themselves, then, you know, that's arming them with knowledge and, and letting them know, okay, this is not a good idea. <laughs> will, you, will you agree with physical education? Because we do actually have people who will bring their martial arts and self self defense classes to our institute. Um, will you agree to that to educate children how to defend themselves? Because many many Christians would say, "Oh no, we are not going to teach violence to our kids." But if they find themselves in a dangerous situation, it's important to have those skills. I wouldn't call it necessarily violent. I would call it self-defense. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's another aspect of it that I didn't say uh, anything about. And that is um, prayer, which I think is very uh, powerful. There is a group at St. Michael's who every Friday they meet to do the Stations of the Cross. And they're not praying specifically for the the people who are trafficked, they are praying for the people who perpetuate human trafficking, the ones who want it. They are praying that those people will have a change of heart and will stop what they're doing. So they're getting even ahead of arming kids with knowledge. They're getting ahead of targeting those people who want to have this happen, to have them to stop. Their think their way of thinking. Mm -hmm. So, uh, for personal experience, I know that there have been people who violated my human rights in the past, and I did not think of reporting any of it because I didn't feel like they were evil. They just didn't know what the heck they are doing. So, education goes into schools, especially high schools, both for those who are being bullied and for the bullies to teach the bullies and other what it, what it, what they are actually doing to others and statistically speaking when you educate the bullies there is more than 60 percent change of mind and behavior observed in high schools when you teach them very often, those little bullies grow up to be big bullies if they are ignored. And it has a lot to do with issues at home. Exactly. So when we, when we embrace them and give them what they need, they can turn out to grow up to be very healthy human beings and very often advocates for the vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And that's the work that is the most necessary to do. We in church, they do it by prayer. We are we in diplomacy. We need to keep religious comments to very minimal. But it but that is your reason 
in, and very glad you brought that in because in every way, every human being has a moral self-defense. And for you, that is in the Catholic Church. And I know you find your center in prayer. And this interview is about you, us getting to know you. And that's a, that's a, that was a wonderful interview, Susan. Um, if you have any questions for me regarding the documentations and about your role on the board, I am very happy to share with you, but I want you to know that we had both financial experts, business experts, and legal experts watching our back and giving us mentorship. We are not alone. It's not a minor thing. It comes from professionals. And I want to thank both the uh, the United States Diplomacy and Human Rights Institution and Isabella Vladier for having the courage to start this program in the country, furthering the work of the United Nations in the United States. Because that's why we are here. That's what you and I want to do. And those are the people who are inviting to, we are inviting to join us. It's not all about human trafficking. It's any violation of human rights. But human trafficking is the most burning issue here in Hawaii. And thank you for giving your generous time and interview to us. Uh, let's see who is next. Uh, for uh, I know it is going to be Edgar Francisco. And we are looking forward to see him on board, onboarding to our team. Bye-bye, Susan. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you, Maya.